From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Goldie from Saros. Goldie, it's so nice to have you on. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing great. It's great to be here and great to be chatting with you today. So to kick us off, can you tell me a bit about yourself as well as your company and who you are and what you're doing? I'm an immigrant. I was born in Zimbabwe. I came here in 1980. I worked in the commodity business and then I got into the securities business. And so basically I've been doing commodities or securities for almost 40, going on 43 years. And it's been very interesting and I've seen most of, I know the history because I've lived it. That's awesome. So tell me about your company and what you guys are up to today. Commodities, securities, maybe even break that down for me and for some of the listeners. Seros okay. so, Financial Services was the legacy business when Rydex sold their fund division to Guggenheim. That, I'm not sure exactly what date that was, but it could be 15 years ago at least, if not more. And what was left at Theros at the time was a budding mutual fund division, tactical mutual funds, a legacy RIA business, and a broker dealer with some trading capabilities. Myself and two partners, a gentleman called David Brown, who was ex-Fidelity retired, and a dear friend of mine called Christopher Dewey, who I worked for at Best Stearns in the 80s, decided we were looking for a broker-dealer opportunity. And after Rydex had exited, the, this piece of the business was sold to a European company who didn't do, much le- didn't do much with it for a couple of years. And we managed to acquire the business in 2000, let's say summer, June of 2019. Christopher Dewey and myself had the idea of uh, building a capital markets business, which we've done focused on medtech and uh, medtech and biotech, early stage VC. But the business, we were fortunate. Uh, they say a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. With the crisis in the equity market in 2020, our mutual fund division, which had a half a billion of assets, by 2000. 22 it shot up to 2 billion in assets which was quite incredible and uh, capital markets business had a very fervent 2021-2022 we financed a bunch of Israeli companies one French company and a lot of domestic US companies early stage and that's where I'm the CEO of the whole consolidated company but that's where I spend most of my time Interestingly, in June of last year, that's 2022, we merged with a office of, let's say, advisors in New York City that had focused on, it was a branch of another company. And we managed to merge with them on a 50-50 basis, subject to FINRA 1017 regulations, which takes a long time. And this particular group called the Forte Group specializes in unicorns. And unicorns, as you may or may not know, are any company that has raised money with a billion dollar valuation or more, such as Uber or SpaceX 
or lift, et cetera, et cetera. And th- this group joined us and they've been very successful in the unicorn business in the nine months they've been with us. So that kind of gives you a picture, a quick snapshot of what we're doing. Absolutely. I love that. So you've obviously been doing this for a while. What advice do you have when it comes to starting and growing a company and like making it successful and all that? You've got to keep your eye on the ball as we're an extremely dynamic industry. And every 10 years or so, there's a massive crisis. I was a young convertible salesman in 1987 when we had the 87 crash. I then was a high yield salesman when we had the credit savings and low crash and the end of Drexel Burnham in 89 to 91. That helped me get into distressed business because everything was distressed. So I specialized in distressed opportunities, working with a lot of New York-based hedge funds. And then as we had discussed, you and I, I was at ING Bearings when we had the 1998 Asian crisis. And ING was well positioned to take advantage of that because they did have offices globally in Indonesia, in, in the Philippines, in Hong Kong, in Japan, in Korea. And the group that I was with at ING was very active in trading all these opportunities coming out of Asia. And then, this is just a short history, then you had the Millennium Tech Bubble, which blew up. And then in 2008, 2009, call it what you want, the Great Recession or Great Depression, the Great Credit Crunch. And then 15 years later, with the failure, or less than 15 years, of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, First Republic, and pressure on other banks, you had another bank crisis. So, you know, Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. If you're a small operation, you're basically on a little boat in very stormy seas. And it's not all bad, because all these crises or crashes or call them whatever you want, create tremendous opportunities. And if you six months to a year ahead of them, then you can actually pick up a lot of pieces. I love that. That's that's great advice. Have there ever been any major lessons learned? Any stories you have that are like, oh, this was obviously great advice. Any like any lessons like your know, personal stories, like this that happened, you gotta for sure watch out for X, Y, and Z. I was working downtown and 2001, and I was involved in the world 9-11, the World Trade Center situation. And myself and some of my partners actually saw very close the second plane fly into the second building. I didn't see the building being able to pancake. I thought it was going to topple. And we were certainly, depending on the angle that it toppled, we were like a couple hundred meters or 200. We would have been in the line of sight of the building if it came our angle. So I'm very proud to say, I think the second plane hit at 9.08. Maybe it's my Zimbabwean background. We evacuated. We had two floors of a building, old building called 120 Broadway. And we managed to get everyone home or out. And I managed to get the last train. So I was downtown, I got to Grand Central Station, and I got the last train to Westchester, and I actually got home. The train turned out to be a milk train because it stopped. And by the time I had got home, somehow or other I'd found my wife, because the cell phones all went down, to fetch me at the station. 
to our horror, we realized that both towers had collapsed, so the world had changed. And that was another cry, you know, and if you're a small firm, if you're not prepared, the, you know, when there's no business for six months or a year, or it slows down dramatically, you start bleeding. So, you know, I hate losing money, and you just got to keep your eye on the ball. And I think for the crisis, 08, 09, already in early 08, I had a sixth sense that something bad was happening. And I'd get into my car, like I'd wake up at 5 a.m. in a cold sweat and I'd drive all the way downtown. When you're running a financial service business, the only thing you can do short term is to cut salaries or reduce salaries. And I started downsizing six months before the real crash, which came at the end of 08, beginning of 09. Always got to be on the ball, as I said, but focused. Absolutely. What's one thing you wish you would have known when you first became a CEO that you know now? Good question, Brad. I just wish I'd been a little bit more preemptive than I've been. That don't linger. Just try read the tea leaves better and try react quicker. The whole thing is just to react quickly and not to linger, not to hope that things are going to turn around. Absolutely. And what's one piece of advice as we wrap up that you have for the industry as a whole? So anyone out there listening, any customer partners, any of that, what's your... I've just read a very interesting book by Yuri Levine. It was a book aimed at the venture capital industry. He's the founder of Waze, which has over today at least a billion users. And he said that their business is people intensive, which is something the financial service business is people intensive. He says, very careful on hiring people, number one. And number two, he says, a couple months later, if you knew now, what you knew then about this particular person, would you have hired him? And if the answer is no, then move quickly. Yeah, that's great advice. Goldie, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining today and sharing all your wisdom and insights. Thank you, Brad. Peace. Absolutely.